Welcome to the Video Tourism Podcast. I'm Goji Bento Williams. The Video Tourism Podcast is dedicated to Africa's travel and tourism industry, where leaders from the private and public sectors get to talk to us. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Tini, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. Today's conversation explores the enormous opportunities the Central Eastern European outbound market offers to African destinations. Managing Director of Travel Advance, Padetin Taka, currently at Onshow's CEE Roadshow in Budapest, Hungary, takes it. So, welcome to the Video Tourism Podcast, and I have the founder and managing director or the CEO of, a, of a Travel Advance, Padetin Taka, who has been in the market for for such a long time, uh, particularly with an expertise in the CEE market. Padentin, good afternoon. Hello there, Kojo. Nice to be here. Can you introduce yourself for me if I got something wrong or I got something missing from the from you know from the from 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 the world of experience that you have? No, you didn't get anything wrong. My name is indeed Paddington Tucker from Travel Founder of Travel Advance. I own an agency um based in Prague, Czech Republic, but with offices also in other CEE countries such as Poland, uh, Romania and Hungary. And um, we, our, our mission is to help DMOs from all over the world understand the CEE markets. So we provide a lot of market intelligence uh, and also various DMOs use our services to gain a better market share of outbound tourism from CE markets to their destination. So we we, are, we offer a basket of, of, of services helping destinations reach their client, ranging from you know, travel trade relations, um, public relations, uh, social media marketing, influencer marketing, um, strategical advice, or also guidance on, on direct uh, B2C marketing and, and so on. Uh, and we've developed uh, our first destination client was Kenya, which we signed up back in 2014. Um, and we've grown since that with our destination. I mean, what's very exciting about uh, CE region is that it's the growth champion of Europe. I think I think that's where we and that's why the world has really started to look at us. Okay. Um, in the early days, we were um, it was hard to get ourselves out there. People didn't really know who these countries between Germany and Russia were. But but now, really, especially Poland, the largest country in the region, uh, has really been noticed by many destinations because we've seen you know big spikes of arrivals um, from all of the region, but especially Poland as the largest as the largest country of 40 million. I mean, Poland is an interesting case actually because back in 1990 uh, it had relatively low GDP, it was similar to Burkina Faso and Suriname. Uh, okay. And then all the, all the way up until um, to the outbreak of COVID, it experienced record growth, average 4, 4% per year. Um, it, it never stopped during the Lehman Brothers crash, like most of Europe had a recession, Poland never did. Uh, and it only only did actually finally um, uh, go down during during COVID. Okay, um, but, even, but, but yeah. I, I no no that's that's uh, you know uh, uh, you know I appreciate that information. But 
uh, if you may start from, off from, you know, the, uh, an, an entry into the CE market, exactly which countries constitute the CE market, what is their, their, their spend, what is the, the state of tourism as of now, particularly on the outbound market? Absolutely. So we have CE market, CE stands for Central Eastern Europe. Um, so uh, the countries most readily associated are the four Czech Republic or Czechia, Poland, Hungary and Slovakia. Uh, and often Romania is included in that. Uh, sometimes it's also the Baltic countries. But these are the core, the core markets where we are, we are active. Um, and I mean, what's interesting about them, let's say compared to um, Western Europe, is that they have very different demographics because the the um, I mean I mean they are very youthful and and there's a lot of vitality in the markets um, there's a lot of tech startups um, and you know tech hubs I would say and 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 this and this has encouraged lots of you know youthful money so your average traveler from these markets is a little bit younger and more active than say from the uk or france i mean these western european markets are characterized by this gray gold segment people who've you know older people who their houses have become very valuable over the years and they've saved up and they you know they, they buy holidays for their children multi-generational trips in central eastern europe the decision makers are, are without doubt younger um, I mean, Madeira, which is one of our clients, actually is, is a good good example because Madeira traditionally was uh, a very popular destination for Brits, older Brits, uh, and it was a sort of place that, that British pensioners like to go. And now it's suddenly become a big a big top a big destination for CEE, and the people who are going there are sort of averaging it mainly in their thirties, forties, and they're wanting to do cycling and running and yachting and all these all these many different activities that younger people want. So that I think that's a very important insight. If you if you do work with the CEE market, you you have to. Okay. It's good to promote more. You know the active holiday segment. Okay. But obviously, no. yeah. No. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I mean, obviously, like like with all markets, there are different segments. So, so, I mean, Czech Republic and Hungary, for example, don't have a sea, and Poland only has a sea in the in the Baltic, which is a lovely sea, but it's it, 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 the weather isn't reliable in summer. So, historically, the the flip and flop model uh, was that, that's how tourism was maybe twenty years ago. People they wanted this week break by the sea, if possible, all inclusive. Uh, and that's that, and that model still exists, and you have huge numbers from from Central Eastern Europe going straight down. So, so Egypt, Greece, Turkey uh, are probably the biggest three, but recently also the Middle East as well. Uh, I mean, like 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 Dubai, Ras al Khaimah. So, uh, so this is this is the classic model that okay. gradually is developed, uh, and as you know, as people are becoming more affluent, disposable income increases. Uh, they uh, they're branching into more different niche travel, so gastro travel, wine tourism, as I mentioned earlier, active holidays, sports tourism, uh, and these and these different factors. And then the other segment, which has come up a lot, uh, it, it come a lot came a lot before COVID, and it's now starting to recover again. Is is mice? Um, 
I think especially Poland, I think the tax rules were a bit different, meaning that the companies could could put more of their expenditures against their tax bill. So mice was a really big thing um, in, in Poland before COVID and even now it's, you know, you're, you're, you're beginning to see that see that again so these are the main wow. the main that's, different that's, segments that's quite an interesting you know dynamic now if you for you know i mean for the purpose of uh, what we do at you know voyage Afrique and for africa and in africa i would like to go into the the outbound uh, market and if you look at the statistics you know they 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 had they, they had 360 million nine spent abroad as of you know uh, in 2002 with 18 billion Euros spent for you know outbound travel. It tells you that there's there's a lot of you know value in that. Now, mm. appetite for the African market or African uh, offering uh, as a as a destination. Okay, good question. Um, well, as I mentioned earlier, the there's an extension of the the flip and flop, the the beach model, and the three destinations which have had the biggest traction in terms of volume, but not spend, I would say, but volume, are uh, Zanzibar, uh, the Kenyan coast, Mombasa and Diani Beach and places like that. And actually, very interestingly, Madagascar, which has come up recently, Nosy Bay has, has developed. And there are I was surprised flights. when, when uh, you know, a Jackie of Onsho told me that, that, that it's turning out to be the number one you know, destination on, on, you know, in Hungary. Exactly. Hungary is an interesting case, especially Hungary. But now also there are direct flights from Poland and Czechia. Um, and obviously here, we, you know, we have some Madagascar companies here with us. Uh, and I think this, this, this absolute love of the sea uh, is historical. Remember, this region doesn't have the historical colonial, let's say, connections of Western Europe. So that's why it's so important that Africa reaches out, the Sub-Saharan Africa reaches out to this region because, you know, uh, you know, I'm British, for example, and we all have, you know, historical cultural connections with, with, with Southern and Eastern Africa, for example, and that's already a reason for us to go. And we have lots of, you know, cultural aspects in our childhood that, that will appeal us to Africa, whereas Central Eastern Europe needs to uh, sorry africa needs to work harder to get the central eastern european market because many other destinations in the world are knocking at their doors um and investing quite a lot of money in the region so it's imperative that that, that africa does that and finds uh, different avenues you know introducing safari holidays for example which are uh, obviously africa's one of africa's greatest asset and present in many eastern and southern african countries um, and, and other dimensions, for example, I mean, we recently organized a very exciting fan trip in, in Cape Town, trying to promote it as a gastro city, metrosexual city, city, you know, as a possible almost city break, like, you know, like New York or Dubai, um, to just to show the different aspects of, of, of Africa. Um, but I mean, here we're now this week with with Onshore Solutions Africa Showcase, which I've worked with Onshore Solutions since 2010. Uh, originally, we started in, in 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 Russia and Ukraine when when they were um, very very strong markets. Uh, we also do it in Germany and uh, and Switzerland. Uh, and last year we started Central Eastern Europe, and the you know the the excitement generated by that first event is 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 I mean, was amazing. I mean we. 
and and this year we already have 22 companies which is which is a very strong strong uh, interest and a really very large number of registrations to our events you know between 50 and 60 uh, today we're in, in in budapest tomorrow we're going to warsaw and on thursday we're going to uh, prague so so the, the enthusiasm has been okay. tremendous what what um, what what was the uh, you know the the feedback from the trade, uh, you know, uh, in terms of who they are meeting there, uh, uh, how uh, they see Africa as an as an uh, uh, alternative, you know, uh, destination, and thus the, the the issue of air access, you know, right Yes, absolutely. That's a, that's a very good question because air access historically has been the weakest link. You've always had to go. There's no direct flights apart from these charter flights occasionally between, say, Prague, Warsaw to to, to those destinations like Mombasa, uh, Zanzibar and, and Madagascar. But that's a very specific segment because, you know, upper middle class, they don't they're not appeal to that. They like to travel Emirates or, or Qatar. You know, they, they, they wouldn't travel on these on these long, long, long haul flights in a, in a sort of short haul aircraft. But um, um Although having said that, you no, know, some of these charters are now operated by a Dreamliner with Lot, so 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 that's no longer the case. But Ethiopian has, has now announced that it's starting a new route to Warsaw starting in the summer, uh, in in July, and this I think will be a game changer because now you can reach many African cities with just one 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 change um, in Addis, uh, and that's a very exciting development. Otherwise, these, this region is, you know, like much of the world, heavily dependent on the Gulf on the Gulf carriers uh, and Turkish, uh, which does have a good network. But, but um, yeah, but but what's what psychologically important is that that the Ethiopian will fly directly right. into CEE, and I don't think we've ever had a scheduled African airline flying directly here. So that would be historic, and I, I think uh, you know uh, it will be a game changer. Again, if if you had to advise the DMOs uh, around how to tap into this very huge and uh, 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 you know prospect of a market in the CEEs. What should the approach be? PR, PR, PR. You could never have enough PR. African DMOs, um, in my experience, have always put a lot of stress in the trade. And that's great. I'm not criticizing that for a second. Of course, you need to educate the trade, train the trade, reach out to the trade. Um, however, the trade can only sell, the trade will only sell essentially what, what brings them business, what brings them money. So when you have destinations like Dubai pumping money into you know, internet campaigns and PR and influencers, and not just Dubai, many other destinations are really pumping serious money, trying to reach the consumer. Um, this is where DMOs, this is for me the, the, the gap. Any DMO that, 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 that substantially invests in a PR campaign in these markets will reap the rewards. Okay, Harit Integra, thank you so much for your time and hope to see you at ITV. Thank you for your time and for inviting me on this podcast.